prayer. Brother John is going to be serving as our chairman of our deacon body in the coming year. We rotate every year. Brother Tommy served last year, and Brother John's going to be serving this year. So I want you to be praying for him. Appreciate John, Juanita, what a blessing they've been to our church, and and thrilled about his role this year. John, you lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts before you, Lord, just want to thank you and to praise your holy name for the privilege of being here this morning. Father, it's a privilege to be an American. It's a privilege to be a member of this great church. It's a privilege to be a child of God. It's a privilege to serve you. And Lord, it's a privilege to have this great wisdom that we have from your word. Thank you, Father, for your word. And Father, we pray this morning, if there's one lost, undone, hopeless, helpless, without God, Lord, today, there might be the day to fall out with sin and fall in love with the Savior, whom to know is life eternal. And Father, we pray for the brokenhearted, those that are going through trials and afflictions this morning. Lord, deep, disturbing times in their lives. But Father, we know that your grace is sufficient to see us through all, all the difficulties of life. And Father, we ask you this morning that there'll be a sweet moving of the Holy Ghost of God that ministers to the needs of every heart here this morning. Our Father, may our hearts be lifted up and encouraged in the things of God. Lord, may we get a vision of uh, your vision of a lost, hell-headed world. And Father, we pray for those that couldn't be here this morning because of illness or their afflictions in their body. Father, we pray that you'd reveal yourself to them in a very wonderful and special, wonderful way. Comfort their hearts. Lord, may you reveal yourself to them in such a way that, Lord, that they'll rejoice in the spirit even though the body might be suffering affliction. And Father, we pray for our pastor this morning as he stands before us to break the bed of life. May you anoint him anew and afresh with the oil of heaven. Lord, may he speak the oracles of God in demonstration of truth and in power of the sweet Holy Ghost. All blessed Spirit, come upon us, stir it, move us, come to the temple for Christ's sake, and we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Now let's take a few moments to fellowship one with another. Turn around, welcome our visitors. Let them know how glad we are to have
Thank you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And as they do so, let me say it's a joy again to have all of those that are visiting with us. And if you would take the guest card that is in the little visitor's packet that was given to you, fill it out, drop in offering plate. Uh, we want to get some information to you about the church. We want you to get to know us better, and we want to get to know you better. I mean, just a couple of things let me share with you real quickly. This morning I have a card uh, that says, Saints, Faithful, Grace, and Peace. And what do these four words mean to us? Well, these words mean to us that the believers at Temple Baptist Church are truly saints of God and faithful brethren in Christ Jesus and that the grace and the peace of God from the Heavenly Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is given unto you. And it says your sacrifice, sacrificial giving to reach the loss in Nigeria and the labor of love of all those who work so hard in loading the container of supplies our gratitude cannot be expressed in word alone. And we are honored to be your missionaries in Nigeria and will give ourselves to reach the lost souls in Nigeria, Jim and Jan Ammons. Uh, so we appreciate this good card. They got loaded yesterday, leaving April the 30th, going back to Nigeria, so you want to remember them in prayer. Our next Sunday, don't forget, is Easter Sunday. It's our second Sunday of three Super Sundays and Resurrection Sunday. We've got a great day planned. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's not a better day in the year, not a greater opportunity that we have as Christians to get our family and friends in church than Easter Sunday. So we're encouraging everybody to bring folks next Sunday, call your family, your friends, get them here, and let, us, let it be one of the greatest days we have this year. Let's let all of our Sunday school classes be up. At the auditorium, we're expecting a great day. And we want to work to make it a very, very special Sunday. Everybody, bring somebody with you next Sunday. And then Sunday night, the choir will be doing something special. Along with Brother Squire Parsons, he'll be with us. And uh, that's going to be a great night. So you don't want to miss next Sunday at all. Sunday morning and Sunday night, it's going to be two great services. So keep that in mind. Add to your prayer list, Brother John Robbins. His sister passed away. They're making arrangements today, so we don't know any of the details but we'll try to let you know tonight. But remember John and the family. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now to bless our giving this morning. We give to the Lord in an act of gratitude. So continue to move in this service now in Jesus' name. Amen.
outside stuff. Just keep on playing, you. I am getting ready to leave this world. We all are going on a journey. And day by day by day, we've seen many of these songs. Sometimes I just feel like talking a little bit. I'm just taking the liberty right now. But you see so much going on, and I tell you, it amazes me. There's so much strife and there's so much trouble. But it is exciting to know that this journey that we own, as long as we are saved and walking in the grace of God, there is a crown that we're going to wear. There will be no more doubt. There will be no more strife, no more trouble in this world. Thank God, you know, I long for that. So that the things that we've gone through from time to time, each one of us in this auditorium, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Because there will be no dying, no more trouble or strife. We live forever, forever with the tree of life. One day I will see my Jesus with all of the saints. I'm going to walk around with my crown and all of God's promised land. Glory! Glory! She probably shouted all over the house. I wasn't in that service. But um, she said in there, she said, I know the Lord's going to take them all home to heaven soon. And I sure do long to go with them. That was in 72. And the Lord took her home March last year. And I thought about when I read that, how they're all rejoicing up and down the streets of gold and how that they're in the very presence of the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And 
how that they're all young. They're not old anymore with broken bodies. And what a joy it was. I just got so happy as I read that. But one day we're going to see them face to face. But more than that, we're going to see the Lord. <clears throat> I dreamed of a city called glory.
scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, given him a name of which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I'm so thankful we've been singing about heaven this morning. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm so thankful today that Jesus Christ went all the way from heaven's throne to Calvary for me. I'm so thankful that he saved me. I'm so thankful that I'm able to sing his praises. And to let you know this morning, he is the only way to heaven. He came all the way. search for a limit to his love what should he keep and what should he give up to pay sin's awful price for such a worthless one as I to rescue me just how far would he go
Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. Joe, you might want to use this here. <laughs> Not that he does, but he might want to use it this morning. John chapter 6. And I want you to look at a few verses of Scripture this morning. Have you enjoyed being in the house of the Lord today? I love to come to church, love to come to church and celebrate what we have in Jesus Christ. Now, there are those who would a lot rather be in more of a service that reminds you of a funeral, but not me. I want to go to church, celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive and that we can rejoice in Him. I want you to stand as we honor the reading of His Word. I want to look at a few verses of Scripture this morning that are very dear to my heart, but to my knowledge, I have never preached from this passage. But as I was, I was in West Virginia this week in a meeting, as I was sitting in the room one day, thinking about some things and thinking about these verses and what they had meant to me, uh, these thoughts came to my mind. I want you to look at John 6, 35, and we'll read down through verse 37. And I want to talk to you this morning about coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus. Look at verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Notice verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And then this morning, I want us to think about coming to Jesus. And there are three simple little questions that I want to put before you this morning about coming to Jesus. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you came all the way. And because you came all the way, we can come to you. So, Father, we thank you now, Lord Jesus, that you have done the work you have made salvation possible, and it's but a simple step for each one of us in this room. We ask you now that you might speak to our hearts this morning through the Word of God. Empower me with the Holy Spirit. Anoint me afresh and anew that I might be a vessel in the hands of the Lord, that I might be faithful to your Word, and that I might honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So I submit myself to you this morning, asking for your complete control. Open every heart now, and we'll bless you and thank you for it. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we ask these things. Amen. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a man by the name of Clarence McCartney. And he wrote a book entitled, The Greatest Words in the Bible and the Greatest Words in Human Speech. And there's about eight, nine chapters in the book in which he takes a particular word. One of the words that he takes and one of the words that he looks at is the word come. And he describes the word come as God's favorite word. It is that favorite word of Mr. McCarthy that he says is God's favorite word that I want to draw your attention to in our text this morning. You notice in verse 35 that Jesus made the statement, Him that cometh to me. There's our word come. In verse 37, twice we find the word. He said, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Three times in these two verses we find the word come. 
Now in the context, you find the Lord Jesus Christ introducing himself with one of the great I am's of the Gospel of John. One of these days, I'm going to preach on these great I am's. There are several of them in John. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John 10, 7, Jesus said, I am the door. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. In John 10, 36, he said, I am the son of God. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine. And here in our text, he says, I am the bread of life. And as Jesus describes himself to be the bread of life, he talks about coming to him. Him that cometh to me. Him that cometh to me. He talks about coming to him. One of my favorite verses is Mark 1, 45, where the Bible said they came to him from every quarter. Let's think about coming to Jesus like they came to him. Let's think about coming to him this morning. And as we do so, I want to look at the three times that you find the word come in our text. And I want to just ask a simple question from each time these words are found in verse 35 and in verse 37. Three simple little questions. Here's question number one. Question number one, why should we come to Jesus? The Bible talks about coming to him. Here's the question. Why should we come to Jesus Christ? Really this morning as I stand here, if I were to sum up everything that I am doing, and what I am doing this morning would simply be, I'm asking you to come to Jesus Christ. But there might be somebody this morning that might say, but Brother Ken, why should I come? Well, let me give you the answer to that. Look at verse 35. Why should we come to Jesus? Jesus said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me, one, shall never hunger, and two, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, in verse 35, Jesus gave us two reasons why we should come to him. He tells us that we should come to him because if we come to him, we would never hunger. And then he tells us if we'll come to him, we will never thirst. Now, I want you to think with me just a moment about what Jesus was talking about. And when I look at what he had to say about never hungering and never thirsting, these thoughts come to my mind. For one thing, I see in his words the longing found in the human soul or the longing found in the soul. Jesus talked about hunger. Jesus talked about thirst. And both of these describe a physical desire that exists in every human being, a longing that we have at certain times. When an individual hasn't eaten for a period of time, he or she becomes hungry. There's a, we might say there is a craving on the inside that cries out to be satisfied. Same thing's true about thirst. When someone is hot, there is a craving. There is a desire, there is a longing for a cold drink of some, time, some kind to quench that thirst. Jesus talked about being hungry and thirsty, taking physical desires. But he not only, when he's talking about these physical things, he basically had in mind, he was speaking of more than a spiritual or physical hunger or thirst, he was describing a spiritual hunger or thirst. When Jesus talked about being hungry, and when Jesus talked about being thirsty, he was describing a hunger and a thirst that is in the soul of man. It is a hunger and a thirst deep within the heart of every individual. It is a hunger to be happy. 
It is a hunger to be satisfied. It is a hunger to have peace. It is a hunger to have joy. For some, it is a hunger and thirst to be loved. For others, it is a hunger and thirst to be wanted. For another, it may be a hunger and a thirst to be secure. But deep on the inside of every individual, there is this hunger, there is this longing, there is this desire to be satisfied. I was reading just this past week, how on October the 12th in 1999, the world population officially reached 6 billion people. On October the 12th, 1999, the world population went over 6 billion people. And according to the U.S. Census Bureau, every second five people are born and every second two people die. A net gain of three people every second. In the United States alone, there's approximately 273 million people. 70 million of them are children. 168 million are working age adults between the age of 18 and 64. And 35 million are over age 65. But there is one fact true about all 273 million in the United States. And there is something true about all six, over six billion people in this world. There is one thing they all have in common. They come from different races. They come from different nationalities. They come from different backgrounds, different vocations and occupations. But there is one thing that all six billion plus people have in common. And that is deep down on the inside, there is a hunger and there is a thirst. In all six billion people of this world, there is a longing in their heart to be happy. And there's a longing in their heart to be satisfied. It is the longing that is found in the soul. When Jesus talked about bread and talked about being hungry and talking about thirst, being thirsty, he is describing the longing within our heart. But then I find in his words not only the longing found, but the longing fulfilled. And when I find this longing fulfilled, I find that it's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. I read not too long ago about a man that became lost in the desert, and he realized that his only chance for survival was to find water. So this man began to look for water. Time passed, he became hotter and hotter. And as he became hotter and hotter, he became thirsty and thirstier by the minute. In time, he was reduced to crawling, was on the verge of passing out when he saw out in the distance, about 500 yards away, a tent. So he mustered up the strength to crawl to the tent and barely conscious, he cried out, Water! This man appeared in the tent door and said sympathetically, he said, I'm sorry, sir, but I don't have any water. However, how would you like to buy a tie? And with that, he brandished a collection of exquisite silken neckwear. The man gasped and said, you fool, I'm dying. I need water. And the man in the tent said, well, sir, if you really need water, there's a tent about a half mile south of here where you can get some water. So the man summoned the strength to drag his parched body the distance to the second tent. And when he got to the tent, with his last ounce of strength, he tugged at the tent door and he whispered, Water! A man appeared in the tent door of the second tent wearing a costly tuxedo. And he said, May I help you, sir? And the man feebly replied, Water! And the man standing in the tent door looked at him and said, Sir, I'm sorry, but you can't come in here without a tie. Well, may I say to you this morning, there are many that who search for that which will quench their thirst. 
has appeared to be futile, has appeared to be a disappointing attempt. For they have searched here and they have searched there. And they have tried this and they have tried that. But still they are thirsty. And still they are hungry in their heart. They've tried everything the world has to offer. But nothing has satisfied that hunger and thirst in their soul. I think of a man by the name of Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. The author, the great author who took his own life. And one of his biographers, a friend of Hemingway for 14 years, said in, and, 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 and revealed in the biography how he was perplexed by the writer's suicide. In the foreword of the book, the biographer described what Hemingway had going for him. He described how he'd won both the Nobel and the Pulitzer Prizes, how he had a home in Idaho, Sawtooth Mountains. He had a specially rigged yacht to fish the Gulf Stream. He had apartments available at the Ritz and Paris, at the Greeky. own friend for 14 years struggled and admitted that he did not know why. I think of many in this life how they have tasted success and they have tasted popularity and they have tasted prosperity, but yet they only know an emptiness of, sp of, of spirit. They've experienced what most think is the answer to that longing in their heart. But yet they have discovered that it's not the source. There's someone like this, say it's Charles Lamb, who made the statement, I walk up and down saying to myself that I am happy and knowing I am not. There is a longing in our hearts. There's a longing in all the human race to be loved. And there's a longing to be happy. And there's a longing to be satisfied. And there's a longing to be content. How do you satisfy this longing? Where do you find the source of satisfaction? You'll notice John 6, 35, that Jesus tells us how we can really be happy. And Jesus tells us where we can find this peace and where we can find this joy and where we can find this contentment. I remind you this morning that real joy is not found in possessions. You can have everything this world has to offer, but down in here not be happy. Joy is not found in prosperity. Joy is not found in popularity. Joy and peace is not found in pleasure. It's not found in power. You know how, you know where you find uh, joy and peace and the answer to the longing of your soul? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger and he shall not thirst. Here's my question. Here's the answer to it. Why should we come to Jesus? Why should an individual come to Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why. Because he's the bread of life. And he that will come to Jesus will never hunger. And he that will come to Jesus will never thirst. I think about a popular song a few years ago that said only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And the songwriter was absolutely correct. Are you listening to me this morning? Only Jesus can satisfy your heart. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy that longing in your heart. You listen to me this morning. Are you with me now? You are only deceiving yourself if you think you can leave Jesus Christ out of your life and really be happy. And you're only fooling yourself if you think that the things of this world can satisfy your soul. And if you're longing for peace, and if you're longing for joy, and you're longing for real inward satisfaction, and you're leaving Christ out of your life, you're going down a dead-end street. 
If you want the longing of your heart to be fulfilled, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Why should I come to Jesus? Why should we come? Because he is the one that can satisfy your heart. That's why you ought to come to him. Amen? But here's the second question. Here's the question that came to my mind as I thought about the text. The first question I thought of is, why should we come to Jesus? He said, I am the bread of life. And why should we come? We'll never hunger, we'll never thirst. But the second question that came to my mind was this. Not only why should we come to Jesus, but second of all, what if we come to Jesus? Now, why should I come? To have my soul satisfied. But what if I come to Jesus? Notice what he said in the latter part of verse 37. What if I come to Jesus? He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now look at these words for just a moment. I see two things about them. One, I see in those words, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out, a delightful promise. Now I said earlier this while ago, that this is a very special passage to me. John 6, 37 is a delightful promise. And it has a special place in my heart because it was one of the verses that was shown to me the day that I got saved. April the 2nd, 1972. Back this past Monday, praise God, 28 years ago. God saved my old rotten, hell-bound, hell-deserving soul and made me a child of God. May I just stop a minute and say glory to God. You can sit there like knots on a log, but praise God He saved me. Amen. But it's one of the verses that it was shown to me that morning. I was sitting back in the, the old building there, the old uh, Gospel Tabernacle building in Boone, North Carolina, sitting right back here to my right. The invitation was given. I went down the altar. I knew I was lost. Boy, that morning the Holy Ghost got a hold of my heart and I knew that it was lost. And I knew if I died, I'd go to hell. And I came to the altar, came right down to the corner here, knelt there on my knees. And about the time I got on my knees, the preacher knelt down beside me. And before he could say anything, I looked at him and I was, I was crying. I said, I'm not saved. I know I can't be saved. I want to be saved. And he took the Bible. And he began to show me from the Word of God what to do to be saved. And I remember that Sunday morning, and I don't remember if I prayed what I prayed or whatever like that. I don't remember all, all the little details about it. That's been 28 years ago. Say amen. I'm five years from 50. It's harder to remember the further I go. Can I get an amen right there? An understanding amen. Amen. I don't remember it all, but I remember we prayed. And when we got through, the preacher looked at me and he said, Now, do you believe God saved me? you got to remember now, I was a church member. I joined a little old church up in the mountains of North Carolina, Mount Lebanon Baptist Church, when I was 12 years old. I remember going to the altar one night. When I got through, a bunch of fellas around me patted me on the back and asked me if I felt better. And I said, I feel better. And they said, Well, you're saved. Being feeling better doesn't save you, friend. I want you to understand that. That Sunday morning, the preacher said, do you believe God saved you? And I said, I think so. And he looked at me and he said, no, 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 no. We don't want to think so. We want to know so. And then he turned to John 6, 37. And he read to me from John 6, 37, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And he looked at me and said, now what did God say? What did God tell you in that verse? Did God tell you that if you come to him that he would not turn you away? I said, yes. And then he turned back to a verse he had shown me a little earlier, Romans 10, 13. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He asked me to replace the word whosoever with my own name. And I began to read, For if kin shall call, that's as far as I got. I understood at that moment that I had come to him, and if I come to him, he would not turn me away. And I remember that Sunday morning, I just broke down saying, Thank you, Jesus. It's a delightful promise. What if I come? Why should I come? If you don't want to be hungry, don't come. If you want to be thirsty the rest of your life, don't come. But if you want that longing in your heart to be satisfied, come. But what if I come? If you'll come to Jesus Christ, he will not cast you out. It simply means he'll not turn you away. Here's the promise that if you come, whatever the reason in coming, if you come, he will not turn you away. But it's not only a delightful promise, but I want you to look at it. I want to put emphasis upon it. It is a definite promise. And someone might say this morning, but Brother Trivet, are you telling me after all that I have done and after the way I've lived and after all the sins I have committed that if I'll come to God, He will not turn me away? That is exactly what I'm saying to you this morning. Here is the promise. Him that cometh to me, look at it, I will in no wise cast out. I can get up here this morning with great assurance and tell you that there has never been one individual that ever came to Jesus Christ that he turned away. I can get up here this morning and mind you, there has been a rough crowd that's come to him down through the years. You're talking about the vilest of the vile. The meanest of the meanest, the wickedest of them all. You can think of, you name them. There's been a rough crowd come to him through the years, but not one time did Jesus Christ ever turn anybody away. He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Give him praise for that. Amen. Thank God. He'll turn anybody away. Look at it. You see those words in no wise? Let me give you a little, some little Greek grammar for just a moment. You see those words in no wise? They're what? They're a strong double negative in the Greek. In other words, let me just kind of trivet translate what it would say using a double negative. Double negatives in English is not good, but thank God's good in Greek. Listen, look what he's, this, this, this is my translation of what a double negative or in no wise. Jesus said in John 6, 37, Him that cometh to me, I will not, I may not, I cannot, I will not at all, I will not by any means, I will certainly not, no, never, no, never, absolutely turn away. Do you get the idea? He's saying to you, come. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Him that cometh to me, I will live no wise. Cast out. Thank God for that. I remember that Sunday morning. Listen, I come down the aisle, hair hanging down on my back, old wore out blue jeans and old shoes. I didn't have a dime to my name, but I didn't have to have a dime. He said, are you hungry? Oh, was I hungry. He said, are you thirsty? Oh, my soul, was I thirsty. What if I come? He said, if you come, I will not turn you away. Thank God for that. 
coming to Jesus? Question number one, why should I come? Question number two, what if I come? But look at question number three. When can I come? Why should I come? Jesus said, you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst again if you come. What if I come? He said, I will not turn you away. Come, ye lowliest of sinners, I will not turn you away. So I asked the third question, when can I come? Notice the first part of verse 37. He said, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. Let me close with two thoughts. One, in that statement, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, I see the work of God. I want you to listen to me carefully. When you consider our salvation, and you look at being a child of God and look at being saved, you quickly come to the conclusion that salvation is a work of God from beginning to end. Jesus spoke of those being saved as those that are, given to, that are given to him by the Father. He said, the Father giveth me those that come to me. Now, let me just insert this here. Let me make it very clear that Jesus was not saying that some can be saved and some cannot be saved. I like what John Phillips said. God does not invite people to come then make it impossible for them to come. Now, he's not saying there's some that can come, some that can't come. What Jesus is simply saying is, that any man that comes to himself, comes to Jesus Christ, comes as a result of God's work in their life. It is God that gives us to Jesus. And he gives us to Jesus because he's the one that brought us to Jesus. Look at verse 44. John 6, 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent him me draw him. We came to Jesus. You say, boy, I was looking for him. No, not really. You's going on in this old world, uh, beating right along, skipping along, unhappy, miserable. But thank God he was looking for you and he sought you and attracted you. And when you came, he gave you to Jesus. That's salvation. It's the work of God. But there's something else involved. Not only do you have the work of God, but you have the will of man. For notice what he said in verse 35. He that believeth on me. Now saving us is God's part. Salvation is God's work, but believing is man's part. Now, understand something. When Jesus talked about believing, he's talking about more than mental assent. I would say that everybody in this room today believes in God. I'd say if you went over to the mall today and, and stood there in the door and asked people to go in, majority of people would say, I believe in God. And they believe in God, but a majority of them possibly are not saved. It's not just a mental assent, that giving assent to a fact or a truth. When Jesus talked about believing, he is talking about how that we turn to him or we come to him. That's why he's been talking about coming. We come to him. We turn to him. We come to him as one that can satisfy our longing and the one that can satisfy our hunger. We come to him and we accept him as, a, as our Savior. Now, here's the question. When can a person come? You don't know when you can come? The moment you need to come and the moment that you want to come and the moment that you decide to come. In other words, what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Why should you come? To be happy. What if you come? He'll not turn you away. So when can I come? You can come right now. It's up to you. God's done everything he can to save you. The work is done. The price has been paid. God's done it all that you might be saved. Now it's up to you.
simply your choice. It's simply your act. It is your decision. You come. John Hanna said, no one who is ever in hell will be able to say to God, you put me here. And no one that is in heaven will be, ever be able to say, I put myself here. No, I want you to understand the reason people are in hell is because they put themselves there. And they put themselves there because it wouldn't come. Do you know why we're in heaven? Why people are in heaven? Not because they put themselves there. It's because God gave them to the Son. But it's a matter of coming. All you got to do is come. So what I'm saying is this. You want to come today? Then you can come. You need to come today? You can come. Never forget a story. I don't know if I've ever told this story or not, but many years ago, Moody, D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists, American evangelists ever lived. Simple man, country man, from Massachusetts, and uh, just an ordinary man. And, but he was, God used him. He was preaching in an auditorium, large auditorium, packed out. The popularity of Moody, uh, hours before the service was even start, the building was absolutely filled and packed. And so they began to turn people away. They couldn't get any more people in. It was dangerous to allow any more people in, so they began to turn people away. This little boy came. He had heard about D.L. Moody, never seen D.L. Moody, but he had heard about the great preacher, and he wanted to hear the great preacher preach, so he went to hear him, and when he got there, there's a big man standing at the door that turned him away. And the little boy said, but I want to hear Mr. Moody preach. I want to hear Mr. Moody preach. And the man told him the place was full and that he couldn't get in. He was sorry, but he couldn't get in and he wouldn't let him in. But I want to hear Mr. Moody. And the man said, no, son, you can't get in. And the little boy walked down the street just a little ways, leaned against the building there and began to cry. About that time, Moody came riding up in his carriage. And when he got out, he noticed a little boy standing over there on the street crying. And he walked up to the little boy and said, son, why are you crying? And the little boy looked up through his tears and his sobs and he said, I wanted to hear Mr. Moody preach, but that big man won't let me in. And Moody looked at him and smiled and said, Son, do you really want to hear Mr. Moody? He said, Yes, yes, sir, I really want to hear Mr. Moody. He said, Well, boy, I know how you can get in. I know how you can get past that big man at the door. But mind you, you'll need to do everything I tell you. Now, young man, are you willing to do what I tell you? Are you willing to do what I say? And the little boy said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I will. And Moody reached down and picked up his coattails. And he stuck them in the hand of the little boy and said, Son, grab hold of these. And if you'll hold on to these, I know you'll get in. But remember, if you let go, that big old man at the door will, hold, will keep you out. He said, you ready to hold on? I'm ready to hold on. He said, all right, then, let's go. Mr. Moody walked right up the steps, entered the building, and down the aisle, and went all the way up on the platform, and that little bitty boy holding on to his coattails. When he got up there, he walked to the pulpit and turned and looked at the little boy and said, I told you I would get you in. Now, boy, you sit there, please. And the little boy sat in D.L. Moody's seat that night. Can I ask you a question this morning? Would you like to get in? Would you like to get in? I mean, would you like to get in? How many of you got in? <laughs> 28 years ago, Monday, I got in. Excuse me, excuse me. I just about chatted on that. Amen. About to lose my dignity this morning. You want to get in? I'm going to tell you how you get in. All you got to do to get in, just be willing to do what he tells you to do. 
All you got to do is just be willing to do what he asks you to do. And what does he ask you to do? Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. You don't know how we're going to get to heaven. Everybody that's going to heaven, raise your hand. You know one of these days how we're going to get in heaven. You say, well, I've been good. That's great. That's not going to get you into heaven. Oh, I'm a deacon over Temple Baptist Church. I know that's not going to get you into heaven. Say amen right there. I'm not sure how far are going. Say amen right there. No, I'm teasing. I love my deacons. You say, I'm a preacher. Great. Hope you do a great job. That's not going to get you to heaven. You know why we're going to get in heaven one day? Because one day Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that believeth in me shall never hunger and never thirst. And one day we heard that and we came and he didn't turn us away and God gave us to Christ. Heaven has become our home. That's all that it takes is just come to Jesus Christ. Brother, can you mean I can come? Yes, you can. A little kid says, Preacher, can I come to Jesus? Oh, yes, I can. The old sot down on the street corner, can I come? Oh, yes, you can. The girl down on Main Street, can I come? Oh, yes, you can. Mom, can you come? Yes, you can. Dad, can you come? Yes, you can. Whosoever will, let him come. And he'll not turn you away. Stand to our feet, please. Come into Jesus him that cometh to me will never hunger and never thirst. Him that cometh to me, I will never, no, never, no, no, never turn away. And him that cometh to me is given to me by God and becomes mine for all of eternity. Coming to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I thank God for the day that I came. And if I had it to do all over again, I would still get up out of my seat and come. I, listen, the only regrets I had is why didn't somebody show me when I was 12 years old how to be saved. I'm glad I came. I'm glad I came. <coughs> Many of you this morning, you came. That's why you've rejoiced today. That's why you give praise to God today because you came and you know what happened. You know that He fulfilled that longing in your heart and satisfied your soul. But there may be those in the building today that need to come. Then I'm going to invite you to come. Not only am I inviting you to come, Jesus is inviting you to come. And Jesus said, if you come, I'm the bread of life. You'll never hunger, you'll never thirst. Aren't you tired of being unhappy? Are you like Charles Lamb? I walk about telling myself I'm happy, but I know that I'm not. Aren't you tired of going through life and that on the inside you're as empty as an old 50-gallon drum. I've often described it this way. You can take all that the world has to offer, which would be represented by the world, a circle. But God created man as the dwelling place for God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, that which would represent a triangle. You take this old world and put it inside that triangle. It'll fill up a big part of the vacuum. But there's always those empty corners and there's always something going to be missing. Aren't you tired of being unhappy? Aren't you tired of carrying a load of guilt of sin? Aren't you tired of on the inside worried about going to hell? Aren't you tired of just being empty? Then I want you to come. Jesus says, come. I'm the bread of life. I'll feed you. 
I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. And he says, I want you to come and I'll guarantee you, if you come, I will not turn you away. And he said, I'll give you eternal life. God wants you to come today. Now, there may be people in the room. You may be a visitor. I want you to come this morning. You say, I don't understand. I've never been in a church quite like this. And you may not understand it, but all I can tell you is this. Reason you, we clap and go on. I'll tell you, you know why? Why? Because one day we were empty. But Jesus said, come, and we came. And we are, there's a joy and a peace that the world knows nothing about. That's why we act the way we do. That's why we behave the way we do. That's why we rejoice and celebrate. Because what Jesus has done. You say, I don't know. I want you to come this morning. All right? I want you to get up out of your seat in just a moment. My wife is here, and Aaron is here, and Terry is here, and others will be here. And they'll show you from the Bible this morning how you can go home and you can know that you have eternal life and your soul will be satisfied. There may be some of you, as a believer, you're away from God, you need to come. You get away from God, it kind of cuts off the spring in your soul, kind of cuts off the bread supply. But I want you to know He put something in you that if you live for Him, you'll never hunger and thirst. Are you tired of being away from God? Are you tired of your... Do you long once again for the joy you used to have 5, 10, 15 years ago? Are you tired of being away from God? Won't you come back today? You come. Jesus says come. I say come. The church says come. We all want you to come. Come. And He'll not turn you away. And because He won't turn you away, I assure you, we're not going to turn you away. And I want you to come. There may be those here today, God is leading you to become a part of this church. This is where you want to serve God. This is where you want your membership out. You want to be a part of what God is doing here. And I want to invite you to come. Just get up out of your seat and come. Take a seat on the front row. We'll get the information that we need from you. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the blessed privilege of being able to come to Jesus. We thank you, Lord, why we can come. Why we come and what it means to us when we come. Thank you, Lord, you'll not turn us away. Thank you, Lord, that you'll give us eternal life. Father, let some folk come to Jesus today. Let somebody get up out of their seat and come to Jesus today. Lord, just let folk come to Jesus. Father, there may be people here today with needs in their life. They can come to Jesus too. Lord, this coming not only brings salvation, but it's a coming in which we can come with all of our needs and come to Him with all of our hearts, anxieties. Father, just all across this building today, let people come to Jesus. Let them come to Jesus for whatever need is in their life. And we'll bless you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, I want you to come. Our deacons are praying. There are others that need to come. You get up out of your seat. Sing all across the building, come to Jesus Christ today. Rhonda, bless you folks. Amen. Others, come. Yes. Absolutely. Turn this down.
song to sing, Just As I Am, I Come. Charlotte Elliott wrote that song. Charlotte Elliott was somewhat semi-invalid and a very bitter person, a very bitter person, bitter about life, bitter about the in, what appeared to be an injustice in her life. But one day, someone began to talk to her about coming to the Lord. In anger, she rushed out of the house, went out into the garden. The preacher, the missionary, actually followed her, began to press it even more. And finally, Charlotte Elliott said, If I come, how can I come? How can I come? And the missionary said, Just as you are. Just as you are. I'm going to tell you something. That's all you got to do this morning. Come, just as you are. Come, bring your life, your problems, your sins. Bring them to Jesus Christ. Sing another stanza. Come into Jesus. Do so right now in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Come. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm one, Sherry. Amen. Others. Come. Can cleanse spot. Oh, Lamb. Yes. Come. Amen. Just continue to sing. These are coming. Unite with the church. There may be others that need to come as we sing. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Amen. Come to Jesus. How many of you are glad that you came one day? Have you ever regretted that? No, 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 no. Praise the Lord for His goodness and for His grace. We have these coming to unite with our church this morning, and we're glad they're coming. This is uh, Keith, Betty and Donald Keith. Would you come up here and stand, please? Great to have you with us. Let's welcome them into our fellowship this morning. Then this dear lady, Miss Agnes Brown. Agnes, come. This is someone we visited on faith, and she's coming to unite with our church this morning. You're glad she's coming. Welcome her. I want you to come by in a moment and introduce yourself to them and welcome them into the church. Back tonight at 6.30, mission committee at uh, 5.30 or 5 o'clock. We have missionaries coming in tonight. Bobby, you say before you leave. And come by and welcome these folks into the church. You're dismissed.